Welcome to the Yes Collective podcast. If you're hearing this, then you are not on our private members-only podcast feed where we have our public episodes like this one, but tons more amazing mental wellness content, including our therapist circles, on-the-go articles, parent-focused meditations, and special episodes you won't want to miss. So head on over to yescollective.co, become a supporting member, and we'll get you your own private podcast feed today. We are so honored to kick off Parent Mental Health Awareness Month with Tammy Solenberger, a licensed therapist, author, an internal family systems certified supervisor, and the host of The One Inside, an amazing podcast where Tammy gets to talk with the leading figures in internal family systems therapy. Most importantly, Tammy is a mom who brings her work home. All of the skills, insights, and practices she uses to help other parents live more present and connected lives are the same ones she uses at home with her family. Audra and I loved digging into all the wisdom Tammy has around parenthood, stress, healing, emotional wounds, and cultivating more compassion, curiosity, and playfulness in our lives. Without further ado, here is the insightful, wise, and wonderful Tammy Solenberger. So we are thrilled to have you on because you're going to be kicking off Parent Mental Health Awareness Month in the Yes Collective, and you're the perfect expert to have on because you're a licensed therapist. You're the host of a podcast where you get to talk to all sorts of leaders in mental and emotional health. You're a certified supervisor in internal family systems training, and perhaps most importantly, you're a mom. So we want to start by asking first, so we have so much to get into, but what led you to devote your life to mental health and wellness in general? Well, I just feel like it's something that fires me up. You know, I I feel strongly about how we treat people with mental illness. I think that we all have mental health, not just mental illness, but we all mental health is part of our is part of who we are, right? Like we're mental, we're physical, we're psychological. And so it's not just mental illness, but, you know, I'm, I think that it, I think I was one of those people in high school that, you know, all their friends came to with their problems. It just mm. felt just really natural. It's just, I love people. I love getting to know people. I'm just naturally really curious about people and I love helping people. And I feel like I have a passion for helping people live the lives that they want to live. So you experienced this all the way back in high school then, just the idea of wanting to be there for other people, wanting to be a sounding board, wanting to hear other people's challenges. Well, you know, it's funny. I don't know that I wanted to. It just felt like it automatically (laughs) happened. You know what I mean? Like I just was just like a natural, like, oh... I, you know, it's just something that happened. I ended up going into broad. I ended up going to broadcasting actually because I wanted to work in TV. So it sort of that just sort of naturally happened. And then I wanted to work in TV, and I ended up working in a college. I ended up taking psychology classes, and then I was like, I want to do this. Whatever this is, this is what I want to do. Um, and then I ended up, you know, becoming a therapist. You know, taking that track and becoming a therapist. I wanted to hear about your 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 journey into the mental health world. And so it sounds like you understood when you first were introduced to psychology in college, it just clicked for you and putting together how you were showing up for your friends in high school and then in college, and then it all just kind of clicked. All right. So I've got some questions about then how you got to where you are today. But before I do, I want to ask first about mental health and the stigma that a lot of parents mm-hmm. carry around mental health. And I'm wondering, so I wanted to ask this early on because I was curious if this was a part of your personal history that you grew up in a family where there wasn't a lot of stigma around mental health, where everyone talked about it really freely and openly. Was that your experience? No. <laughs> was that yours? No. Is that anyone's? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so tell so so what what was that like then? It, you grew up in uh, I guess a pretty normal family at least for for us where you say typical. Yeah, right? where this wasn't talked about where if you did have to go see a therapist there was something wrong with you. Mm-hmm. And so then how do you go from 
that sort of normal paradigm yeah Mm -hmm. to then moving into a space where you are in the mental health field yeah yeah, that's a good question. I think that you know, there's some statistic, and I'm not going to get this right, that like 90-something percent of people that go into the mental health field do so because they had mental health challenges in their own family. And I think that was true for me in some way that it just wasn't talked about. You know, it sort of wasn't talked about that my mom was struggling or, um, you know, that people in my family were struggling and it just wasn't talked about. And so the first thing that comes up to me when you, for me when you ask that question is space. That when there's sp- there was space between mm. my family of origin and me when I was in college, I was living with my husband at the time, and there was some space. I got married really young, so there was some space between my family of origin and myself. So that when I took the psychology class, that there was space for me to explore that without the voice of we don't talk about that. So I can imagine a sort of freedom then as like, oh my gosh, wait, we get to talk about something that like we never got to talk about before. Um, was it challenging bringing that back home when you would go back home and, and would you want to talk about it? Would you want to open it up? And No, I think parts of me, you know, our parts are so smart and they know what's, what's safe to talk about and what's not safe to talk about. And so I think parts of me were like, these are things that are not safe to talk about at home. Mm-hmm. So I could go and go and learn about these things. And then when I go to like my mom's for dinner, let's say, I'm not going to talk about those things because those things aren't safe to talk about. That's not true now. And this was a long time ago, but that was true at the time. And our parts are very clever in, in filtering us and saying, these are things, these, this is how you act, right? So we can, we can go off to college and I didn't go off to college, but it was sort of, you can go off to college, you can be a certain type of person at college and then you come home to your family of origin and you're going to be, your parts are going to say, here's who you have to be in order mm. to be safe around these people. Yeah. And we learned that growing up. We learned that as kids. Here's how I have to be, here's how I have to think and feel and act in order to be safe. And then that's one of the things that IFS teaches us is what I learn, you know, for me, I learned to be a good girl and, and over apologize and, um, you know, just be sweet. And that's how I learned to be in my family. That keeps me really safe. And that's fine and good until it's not fine and good mm-hmm. in my 20s and my 30s and my 40s. Sometimes that's not super fine and good to me anymore. Oh, yeah. I identify with that (laughs) as a recovering people pleaser, you know, and finding out what was safe for me, which was to anticipate what actors in the home were going to be doing what, especially when you have some volatile people, right? And kind of like anticipating those needs. And it's so interesting to me because it turns out sometimes to be strengths that you bring into maybe workplaces and other parts of your life, but then also presents, you know, the other side of the coin, sometimes real challenges in those workplaces or at home, interpersonally, things like that. So I love hearing about this through the lens of of parts and parts work. And so I am eagerly hanging on just being a part of this podcast. (laughs) Yeah. So I, as I was thinking about this interview, I was thinking, all right, I want to learn about your background. And so, yeah, like, did you grow up in a family where these sorts of things were talked about? How did you get into this? And so you became a therapist, but when you first became a therapist, you didn't just immediately discover internal family systems. You, uh, so can you tell us a little bit about this journey as a therapist for you? How did you start out or what sort of approach did you use starting out? And then how did you find out about internal family systems? Yeah. So I used uh, cognitive behavioral therapy. I was trained in dialectical behavioral therapy, which is DBT. I ran DBT groups. And so that CBT, you know, people, that's probably pretty common. But in CBT, we learn to, you know, we identify behavior, we identify feeling, we identify thought, and we kind of we really analyze it. I'm like, okay, you know, you want to stop being anxious. Okay, so what's the thought? What's the behavior? What's the feeling? Let's analyze that to death and help you not be anxious anymore. And the, I think there's, there's, you know, that's good. I mean, I think it's, you know, it's there's some good things about that. And so I was doing that. I did that for years, and then I went to a, a seminar. 
And you know, and then I treat myself that way too, right? I treat my patients that way. I treat myself that way. And then I went to a seminar about kids, treating kids. And this woman starts talking about, so I live in New Hampshire and Dick, the founder of IFS had moved from Chicago to Boston. And so there was a lot of IFS stuff happening in Boston. So I went to a seminar and this woman says, there's this new, new, it had been around 30 years at that point, new therapy um, in Boston. And it, and it says, she said something about curiosity and inviting people to be curious. And then she talked about a million other things, but that stuck in my head because I thought, what would it be like if I started being curious Ooh. about that triangle, <laughs> about the angst, you know, the thought, feeling, behavior triangle? Because that's not what I'm doing. I'm challenging, I'm debating, I'm arguing with my clients about <laughs> what they're doing. So what if, if I looked at that thought, feeling, behavior triangle, and what if I began to be curious about it? And I help my clients be curious about it. Like what? I remember thinking how it would feel different for me, even as a therapist, to bring mm. curiosity to that. And just what a different experience it would be in the therapy room to be curious. And so I went back to my office. I Googled IFS. I found out that Dick was coming to Cape Cod for a week-long training in Cape Cod. And I went and it was amazing. It changed my life. And I started IFS. You know, IFS is all about... As therapists, we have to do our own work. So I immediately got into a, you know, seeing an IFS therapist. And then I did level one, level two. Um, and then I helped with trainings and started the podcast and I wrote a book. <laughs> yeah. All those things. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just imagining the one of the things that has really just impressed me about IFS is this curiosity piece. So I really love that that was the first thing for you that really clicked. And then yeah. Feeling into curiosity, what happens for me, and I'm wondering if this was the case for you, there's a feeling of spaciousness. Like it, it's like things kind of open up. And I can imagine when you were describing the CBT, DBT um, focus, it felt constricted, it felt tight. And then this curiosity just feels like it's opening up. Yeah. Is that right? Totally. I love podcasting, but a thing that you don't see in podcasts is our bodies. And so your body just literally just softened. It literally was more spacious. You opened your arms, right? Our bodies are constricted when we think about the CBT triangle. And then we sort of open up as we think about being, being curious. And another way of saying that is our parts aren't necessarily, necessarily curious, but our self is. And so when we think about our parts, People think about like sort of the devil and the angel on their shoulder or even like the seesaw, like one part of me sort of, I'm, I use my hands a lot. So one part's in my left hand, one part's in my right hand. When I think about being curious, I almost can move my hands outside of my body a little bit, even like kind of further away from me. So sort of my hands are further away from me. And now there's space between me and my heart, like literally, right? My heart's here, my body's here, and my hands are a little bit more out here. And so I can see and hear and be with these parts of me that I'm holding out in my hands, I can really see them and be with them in a way that I can't be when, they're, when there's no space. Yeah. Mm. Yes. Yes. Okay. I'm like yes. giving you the, does that make that. sense? Face? Yes, absolutely. Yep. Well, yep. so it makes sense to us because we have had a lot of, ex of exposure to you internal know, family well, systems. But I well, all right, go on. Yeah, so, yeah, I just I just want to share really quick because I don't I don't think that we've gone into this. So so he's he's he brought Justin brought IFS into our home, <laughs> into his life, and into our family. And so I have been learning through uh, through his work, through our work together, through Yes Collective, through the podcast, kind of along with everybody else in in your life. You know, I have been kind of brought into this and um, have fallen. In love with it alongside, but I am not uh, as well versed. I haven't, you know, read all the textbooks and the trainings and things like that. So I would say I'm the newer one here. So Justin, you know, has written these questions and he's deep in it, but I represent like the average everyday mom who's a part of, you know, Yes Collective who's absorbing this stuff. Yeah. So I thought maybe this would be a good place to just pause. And Tammy, I'm curious, how do you explain IFS to somebody who has never heard of it before? Like, what's what's the fastest, just quickest way that you can do it? Yeah, I want to say too. The reason I started my podcast was because of mom. So my my son's 11, but I was in a mom play group that like saved my life when he was a baby, and we met weekly. and And I remember probably when he was about one or two. 
thinking, you know, how do I, these moms are smart, amazing Mm -hmm. people and, you know, we're staying at home with their kids or working part-time and they didn't have time to do the trainings that I was doing. Like they didn't have time to do that stuff or I had done. And so I thought this was, you know, I just have such a heart for moms and such a a passion for like helping moms, you know, getting this information and and, and making this information accessible to moms because they're listening to podcasts, you know, they they listen to podcasts Mm -hmm. as they clean and as they're taking their kid for a walk while they take a nap in the stroller. And, you know, it's so hard. Hard. And um, so my, the, my fast way about IFS is to say, just use food, because I think that we all sort of struggle with food. So I have a part of me, and I can use this example yesterday, I have part of me that ate two scones, like thick, amazing, delicious scones. Ooh, and they were amazing. <laughs> and I love that. Yeah. They were so good. And then I had another part afterwards that was like really mean and called me really mean names Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and then and then was like you're never eating again Mm -hmm. (laughs) and so i have these two parts right the part that ate the scones and then the part that said you're really really mean things to me and then told me that i was never eating again which then actually triggered a part that then ate a whole bunch of other stuff last night Mm -hmm. and then this morning Mm -hmm. you're not eating today right so here are these parts of me around food, right? The part of me that ate the scones, the part of me that criticized me about the scones and said, you're never eating again. Part of me that wants to eat a brownie, a part of me that says, no, you're only eating kale. And I'm holding up my hands, one's in my left hand, one's in my right hand. And so we all have these parts. And the part of me that ate the scones, it has positive intentions for me. It says, you like this scones, it's so good, it tastes so yummy, and it's so yummy, and it was really good. And then that was the first one was really yummy and good. The second one was because I was pissed off. So (laughs) that was a different reason. It was an hour later and I was pissed off and I ate the scone. And that has a good intention too, because it says, you know what? We learned when we're little that when you're pissed off or you're sad or you have any big feeling, this is what helps you feel better. Mm -hmm. So here's one, you're eating one scone because it's yummy. You're eating the other scone because it helps you feel better. And I, I can see that you're really upset right now. And then this part over here, the one that's in my other hand, it says... But I know that you don't feel good when you eat that way. I know that you don't feel good. I don't know you feel good in your body. Your clothes don't fit you, but you also just don't feel good in your body. Like forget diet culture crap. You just don't feel good in your body. So I'm going to call you names because I know that's one way to get your attention because I want you to feel good in your body. So all of those parts, because that's actually three parts, three parts all have really positive intentions for me. And then me, I'm the adult you know, 40 something year old me who can listen to those parts and I can say, oh, I hear how you're trying to help me. I can see and I can hear your positive intention for me. Let's all meet and talk and be together and see kind of how we can handle our decision about what we're going to eat today. (laughs) So that you guys are making the decision. I'm making the decision. Mm. Adult me is going to make the decision about what I'm going to eat today because these suckers... (laughs) I can't let them make a decision about how I'm going to eat today because that mm. might not go well. Yeah, and you, I, that's beautiful. I love that. Yeah, I just have to say, it's like the more novice one here getting into this work. I absolutely love it, and what I love so much about it is the gratitude and like really the recognition that all of these parts just want the best for us, and they've come on board kind of with their own strategies to do that. And, and that we can, we can, we can hear them out, you know, that we can be grateful for that. And then we can also hear them out. And that in, in that space of that true self, we can, we can help make sense of what they're all wanting and, and really asking for. It's really beautiful because it's not, you know, like, it's just so different to me. It couldn't be more different. Then I think what I have experienced in, you know, kind of like a standard, whatever it might be, any of these other names, therapeutic methods, or what people associate a lot of therapy with is I'm going to go somewhere, we're going to be judged and I'm going to be labeled. And then we're going to try to fix me. Yeah. And yeah. what if that me isn't something that isn't, you know, an entity that needs to be fixed, you know? Thanks. And what if it's not just me as one monolithic? you know, entity, what if there are all of these different parts and they all want what's best. And it's just, to me, it's like profoundly liberating, yeah, really good. freeing, That's really right. beautiful. Yeah. I love that. I love that. Right. Cause we fix, so we're going to go ahead and fix that me 
And guess what? There's going to be another me that's going to have another strategy, right? Yeah. So, and I've done this with food before too, right? Okay, so I'm not going to eat sugar. That's going to fix it. But guess what? Another part's going to find some other loophole that's going to say, okay, well, actually what you're going to do now is you're going to binge on ranch dressing or something. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. oh, I'm going to yeah. eat vegetables. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's sort of like these parts are going to, we can fit. And then it's another part. Like I, me, I'm not looking to fix them. It's another part, right? Mm-hmm. It's another part, right? The part that says, you're not eating anymore. That's the part that's trying to fix that part, right? The one in my right hand is the one trying to fix the one in my left hand. And then we have, we call that polarization. Sort of that's the seesaw that happens is then they just kind of, you know, go back and forth, up and down, trying to fix each other without realizing that they're, I'm here too. I'm here and look at me. Stop just looking at each other. Like our parts just look at each other and battle. Look at me. I'm going to give you some gratitude. I'm going to listen. Let's talk together and be buddies and let's see what we can do. I love that. And it brings up something for me thinking, you mentioned that you have been with your partner for a really long time. Well, we're divorced. Okay. But were so, for a really um, long time or, or when you were young? We were for a very long time. Okay. Okay. Yes, okay. we were for a very long time, but we're divorced now. Yeah. And did you experience this and perhaps the parts work like helped get to the point of a, a divorce even, um, which I, you know, I think is powerful to think about too. But I think about us, we've been, we got together in college too. And I think of the parts that we learning about this, I'm like, oh my God, we've created like parts have come up in us or presented in us related to each other. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, your parts show up in your relationship, you know, so parts, parts show up in your relationship and then your parts are going to just, you know, like the part, like I have a partner now and my parts trigger his parts and his parts trigger my mm-hmm. parts. Right. And so that's mm-hmm. just going to, yep. and then the more we can talk about that, the more I can say, okay, the part of me, there's a part of me who's feeling this way. A part of me is feeling really angry at you. A part of me is really disappointed because you said you would do this and you didn't do this. And so a part of me that's feeling really frustrated and then I have another part of me that doesn't want to be frustrated with you right now. I really just yeah. want to enjoy my time with you. But if I don't speak for that frustration, I just try to enjoy my time with you, then it's going to be kind of wonky and you're going to feel something. And then his parts are going to be like, I know Tammy's not really telling me something. I can feel like there's something. And then his parts are going to try to make up what it is. And so then our parts are then just going to be reacting to each other. And so when we can speak for our parts, that really helps, right? A part of me feels frustrated. Another part of me doesn't want to be frustrated. And then he can say, well, part of me was scared that you were feeling this. And another part of me said, well, I don't even want to talk to her then <laughs> because yeah. she's mad at me. So I don't want to talk to her when she's mad at me. And, and then we can be like, oh, okay. So we are now looking, we're kind of having space, right? Here's my parts. I'm putting my parts on the table. He's putting his parts on the table. And then him and I and our true self can be like, we totally get why our parts would respond that way to each other. I, I love, love that. Yes. The speaking for mm-hmm. your parts, not from your parts has been... I mean, it's so simple. It has been such a game changer. And it's uh, in relationships is huge because I can then express something that might feel dangerous, but it, it lowers the temperature to say, I have a part instead of I, oh, I'm frustrated or I have, you know, no, I have a part that has a story. I have a part that has a judgment. And well, you have- it lowers the temperature. And then it's like, okay, we can both like, step back and we can look at this part and we can understand this part might be hurt or scared or oh, it's so beautiful it's not saying anything. you know i or you you know and be able to break it break it down that way i feel like it's uh it promotes developing understanding you know allows for a lot more curiosity on on everyone's parts part mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> i love that and think about what curiosity brings to our our relationships with our partners, oh right? If, if we yeah. can be curious about why he didn't do the thing or why I thought he was going to do the thing and didn't do the thing, if I can be curious about that, that just brings so much instead of just bringing, instead of a part of me telling me a story, right? A part of me telling me a story that says, well, he doesn't really like me or he would rather not talk to me. And, and then I believe those stories, right? If parts tell us stories and we tend to believe them. Instead of that language, a part of me is telling me a story right now. Okay, that gives me some distance between feeling the story and realizing a part's telling me a story. I love that. I think we should put a pin in that. I'm thinking of experiences with our kids. You know what I'm saying? Like with Maisie, to be able to say, a part of me is telling me a story that 
you're refusing to do the dishes right now because of me, you know, or whatever it might be. Because you don't like me. Yeah. You're not doing the dishes. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Whatever it might be. This is is our uh, newly 12-year-old daughter. And yeah, I mean, I think it's just so, so beautiful. Like it is, this is, this is not how, you know, most of us grew up. This is, you know, definitely not how most of our parents grew up. Right. And it just seems to be such a game changer because it gives her so much room then. Yeah, Yeah. that's right. That's right. So what I'm feeling into here is my own journey with IFS and learning more about my part and learning that almost every part that I really get to know is a part that uh, has a lot of childhood baggage. Like when I really get to know a part, it might first present itself as like, Part of me, an adult, 45 years old, you know, concerned with having my daughter do the chores and, um, you know, because she said she was going to do the chores and we pay her to do the chores. And, you know, (laughs) but then it's like, I will then get a chance to sit with this part that's really triggered by her not wanting to do the dishes when I want her to do them and and feel inside. And and the, the deeper I get, the closer I get, the more curious I get and the more compassionate I get around this part the more I'll see that it's, yeah, that it might be sort of like, I'm not being heard. I'm not being seen. And then this part, and then it's like, oh my gosh, the memory that it has is, you know, of me as a kid with my mom. And has, and, and so then it's like, oh my gosh, it's, this has nothing to do with her. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So can you say a little something about, about these, these young parts? <laughs> Yeah, that's beautiful. And that is exactly what happens. You know, she's not doing the dishes and she's not listening to me. And then, right, but if you pause and you, you, we might not be able to do it in the moment, right? Because she's not doing the dishes and really frustrated and all these parts are really frustrated. But if we, if we take some time, whether in the morning or sort of alone and take some time and, and we call it go inside and just pause and say, okay, what, what's coming up for me? What does it feel like in my body when she doesn't do the dishes? Like we take a U-turn, what's happening for me when she doesn't do that? What's the story that I'm telling myself? What does it feel like for me? Is there a memory connected to it? Okay, I can now I can remember that I'm 13 or, or I'm 12 and I'm getting in a fight with my mom and my mom doesn't hear me. And so here's this memory. Okay, so what's triggered in me is this 13-year-old little boy, this 13-year-old little boy or younger six-year-old little boy who doesn't feel hurt by his mom. And so I have then six-year-old feelings when my 12-year-old doesn't do the dishes. And so what happens in parenting a lot is I have six-year-old feelings, six-year-old feelings and thoughts and strategies. (laughs) So (laughs) when my 12-year-old doesn't do the dishes and it triggers my six-year-old my six-year-old is going to stomp around the house and mm. is going to pout and then maybe he's going to call her. A, a, she's just a big meanie and doesn't listen to anything I say. And I might even feel, I might be embodying the six-year-old yeah. because I'm wow. using the six-year-old strategies. And now my six-year-old is parenting my 12-year-old. My six-year-old wow. part is parenting my 12-year-old child. Yes. This is exactly That's so what powerful. happens. No, this is this is it. Yeah. <laughs> it happens yeah. for me too. So just right. My my thirteen year old angsty teenager when she starts parenting. I mean, it's it's and I and my son knows it. Right? It triggers. I most sometimes think it triggers sort of wise parts of him. And I'm like I'm the teenager and he's the parent. Right? And I can feel it sometimes when he's like, "Okay, what do we need to do right now?" And I'm like, <laughs> and I'm like, I can feel it. I'm I'm, an, I'm the thirteen year old. He's the parent. It. Yeah. I'm just like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so in IFS therapy, then the uh, trajectory then would be to help the client in, in there. Well, we haven't talked about self or, I mean, you have referred to it, but there's this really important quality that you've just talked about. It's just, just, just being us, but it's, it's this in internal family systems, they call it capital S self self energy and and so it's really just about being connected to our our core and then with compassion and curiosity really seeing and hearing these young parts and allowing them to be heard and seen and then what's the next step i mean what what happens after that how can these young parts how can they be helped so that as we grow, I can start to parent my 12-year-old from my 
true self from my core and not from this six-year-old part? Yeah, that's, what that's a great question. Like? Yeah. yeah. So when we think about other types of therapies, what would happen is you would then tell me, say if I'm your therapist and you're telling me about a six-year-old part of you that was triggered by your 12-year-old part. Well, we wouldn't talk about it that way, but let's say you did, or 12-year-old daughter. So what we would do in other therapies is you would tell me about the experience. I was six. My mom didn't hear me. This is how I felt, blah, 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 blah. Right. That's kind of what we do. You sort of tell me the story of what happened. But in IFS, what we do is we actually have you as your true self go into the story and be there with your six-year-old the way that that six-year-old needed to. So you're not telling me necessarily. You're actually in the story as your true self and you're and you're hearing him. You're seeing him, you're understanding him, you're saying, and then he gets to tell you, this is what it felt like when mom did this. And he gets to tell you everything that happened, everything that he wants you to know that that happened, how hard that was for him. And then you, you get to hold him, to hug him, to be there in a way that he needed someone to be. And that sounds a little bit hokey, but it is incredibly powerful. And then the self then says to that little boy, do you want to come out of there? Yeah. You know, do you want to come out of that scene and come to the present? So you come out of that scene and come to the present where you feel me, right? You feel my love and acceptance and my hearing you. And, you know, what do you want to do now? Do you want to come, you know, do you want to go to a fantasy place? Do you want to come into my house? You know, do you want to just come sit next to me? Do you want to come into my heart? And then that we call that unburdening. And that the healing that happens is when we and ourselves go to those younger parts and unburden them. We witness them, hear them, unburden them and bring them to the present. And then your six-year-old now is not stuck. Now your six-year-old is hanging out with you at your feet. I keep pointing at my feet. Your six-year-old is hanging out and playing with cars at your feet and just relaxing and feeling totally connected to you. So when your 12-year-old daughter doesn't do the dishes, he's all set. He's not, you're, it's still going to, it's still going to be upsetting to you. Like self still has emotions, but you're not going to respond from the six-year-old. You're going to respond. Hopefully there might be another part that might come up, but you're going (laughs) to respond from your, from your true self. But to say like, honey, you know, we talked about it. And so, and we have a behavioral plan. And so you don't have to do the dishes. All right. You don't get any money. All right. And so, and then I'm not activated, right? You don't do the dishes. You don't get any money. That's our behavior plan. There's no activation in my system. My six-year-old's fine. He's chilling at my feet, playing with cars. Yes. It's beautiful. Yeah. So it's really powerful. Now I have a curiosity because the, the whole theme of this month is around parent mental health, parent wellness. And so is is this what you just described? Is that how you would characterize parent mental health? When uh, like when we are able to show up through our core self, like this is parent mental health. Well, I mean, that would be lovely, but sometimes parent mental, <laughs> parent mental health might just be recognizing that I have parts and my son has parts yeah. and it might just be that, right? That he's in a part right now. And if I join him in his part, it's going to be messy. And so if I can recognize that he's in a part and maybe I can just take a deep breath and see, I can be a little less in, one of us can be a little less in parts and hopefully it's me because I'm the adult, (laughs) then we might be okay. And I think sometimes that's all it is. It's right. He's multiple, I'm multiple. And can I take a deep breath, calm my system down a little bit and I can parent from that place from, even if it's a little bit more self, a little less part driven, then I can parent from that place and recognizing that he's in parts too. I love that. That really, really resonates with me as a mom. I don't have to be healed. I don't have to be perfect. I don't have to be, you know, kind of like, I don't have to have, you know, all of my parts don't have to be the perfect, happy family, you know, at every given moment that it's really around awareness and having some tools. It sounds like to, to work with just even recognize that in those moments. Yeah, definitely. And really softening that critic that says, if I, this is how I have to be as a parent. This is what a re, this is what a real mom, true mom, good mom, whatever dumb language we're using. Let's yeah. get rid of that language, yes. right? Like you're doing a pretty good job, probably. And so, if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably doing a really good job, actually. And <laughs> yes. so, yes. and so, then I would say the first place to start probably would be: What are those inner critics saying to you about how you're parenting? 
and how you are and who you're supposed to be. Let's start there when you're trying to get to know your system. Let's start with those parts that say, this is the type of mom I should be. And here's all the ways I suck as a mom or a dad. Would you write this down? Would, would you recommend even like journaling that out? Definitely. I love journaling. And I, how I journal is I write P for a part. You suck. That's what a part just told me. You suck. And another part's like, stop being so mean to yourself. Like really dialogue that out. And I might even write part one, part two, part three, part four. Let them just say whatever they want to say unfiltered because they're saying it anyways. You have another part that's trying to ignore them. So say I'd write it all out, P1, et cetera. Take a couple deep breaths and then I'd write S for self. What is self? Even when self just says, I hear you. Thank you for telling me how you're feeling. I just want you to know that I'm hearing you. I'm here. I'm here for it. Tell me what's going on. Tell me how you're feeling. Do you have any tips or strategies for parents who are hearing this maybe for the first time or saying, okay, I think I kind of understand, you know, the parts like that makes sense. And then, then there's this, this self, there's this core self. I, I think that makes sense. But how can a parent know that, oh, this is myself here and not just another part? So how, how do you yeah. paint that picture? Yeah. So I usually say, think of a time where you actually felt, we say the C words for self. So calm, creative, curious, compassionate, connected. Now, when's the time you felt that way? You know, when you went for a walk or when you saw a sunrise or a sunset or after a meditation or like, when is the last time you felt that way? What was that like in your body? Describe what that experience was like. And then as you're describing it, what are you feeling as you describe it? Because you're, because you start to feel it as you describe it, right? Because I could tell you about a situation that was really frustrating frustrating to me. And as I'm describing it, I'm feeling it. I'm in it again. So the same thing happens with self. I can describe a time that I felt calmer and more compassionate, more connected to myself and to the universe. I can tell you about that and then I can begin to feel it. And then I'd want to really, okay, what does that feel like? So that people have a sense of, I know what it feels like to be in self, even a little bit. It's not like zero or a hundred, even a little bit of self-energy. I know what that feels like. Okay. We know what it feels like. And we know what it feels like to be in a part because we're we're more energized or we're more aggravated or there's an urgent feeling or there's sort of nasty thoughts going in our head. And let's just start paying attention to what it what that what it feels like to be in those different parts, what those voices sound like, whether it's behaviors or thoughts. Let's bring curiosity to what that's like because that's what's when I'm part driven versus when I'm self-driven. And it's not all or nothing, but just start paying attention to when I'm more kind of over here in my parts and when I'm more a little bit over here in myself. Like what does it feel like? What does it sound like? Sounds like a really powerful take on mindfulness. Like it makes mindfulness make sense to me. <laughs> if it, you know, like yeah. being able to pay attention to to these parts, and um, I love the idea of, of being able to do your own kind of like visualization. If you practice that, you know, when you know you'd be in the school pickup line, and you know, practice that visualization of being in self, whatever you know modicum of that you can get. I love that. Yeah. I actually have a curiosity. I have, I have yeah. a question that's come up. So I absolutely so appreciate what you said earlier about just loving moms and wanting to work with moms and support moms and that goal of your podcast and 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 a lot of your work. I think it's so powerful. And at Yes Collective, we are aligned with your mission completely. And one of the things that's really challenging for so many of us is, I mean... Justin tried three times here in Savannah to get an IFS therapist and no one, no response. You know, these lines to get in the door are super long. So it can be really hard to find that help. And then, and then for parents, you know, and for busy moms, it's like, yeah, I want to go work with a therapist, but you know, I, I'm a busy mom. I don't have anything that's like so really pressing for me to get into that office. Right. But I want to do some of this work. And so can you maybe help me understand like are there parts of IFS that we can break down into small bites that we can start to do on our own you know things that we can do to bring awareness ourselves that can improve our our daily lives as moms or improve our connection with our kids you know our work as parents yeah, I love this question so much I well you you answered it when you said I'm in the pickup line Right. So you're in the school pickup line. So it has to be as you go. So I'm in the school pickup line and I'm going to have remembered, okay, I remember this time that I felt this calmness. And so I'm going to be in the school pickup line 
and I'm going to I'm going to think about the word calm. I'm going to breathe in calm. I'm going to notice what that feels like in my body. And I'm just going to sort of take in this calm. And then I'm going to notice what else is there. Like, what are what are the other parts that are there? What is my sort of what else am I noticing in my in my mind? I, I think the two things that I would say are big takeaways are what does self feel like? And then starting to map out the parts that I have, right? So if I bring in the calm and I'm feeling that calm and I hear you have a zillion things to do when you got home. Okay, great. That's probably a really like we call, we call it the, like our you know parts that drive the bus. If I have a million things, yeah. you know, what are you doing right now? You should not be doing this calm. Like you should be reading a book right now, whatever. So just start mapping out your common parts because they're going to sound and look and feel the same. So checking in with that self, what does that feel like? Breathing into that a little bit and start mapping out those parts and do it as you go if you can. I love journaling. I think journaling is a good way to help you just check inside. And the other thing too is you're important. You know, we have this thing as moms and dads mm-hmm. that we're not important. And so I need to make sure that everyone else has everyone else has their peanut butter and jelly sandwich before I have my peanut butter mm-hmm. and jelly sandwich. That's fine. Like make sure everyone has their peanut butter and jelly sandwich. But I think we're just wired that way. We have to make sure everyone else has their peanut butter and jelly sandwich. But I'm going to make sure I have mine too, and I'm going to sit down at the table too, and I'm going to have peanut butter and jelly sandwich too. And so I think that I think that's a big part of it is just knowing that my mental health is important because that's how I'm going to show up as a mom. And, and it's going to help me be a better mom, right? Like if I want to be a better mom for my kid, then, and I don't mean this in any guilty, shaming way, but taking time for me, whatever that looks like, even if it's in the car pickup line and breathing and the word calm, that's going to make a big difference in how I show up for my kid and then how I feel about myself as a parent. That's so powerful. To me, that resonates with the idea of self-care. And not to minimize manicures and bubble baths, because like, you know, all all for all of that. But it it seems like this, that self-care can take some work, you know, when we're talking yeah. about doing this work. It is there is it isn't it isn't just about barreling towards the one vacation a year or whatever it might be, right? Like this Definitely. is this everyday right. support to yourself, which involves doing it sounds like some of this inner exploration. And you're right, then we should we show up better for ourselves, with ourselves, within ourselves, you know, and then within in our relationships and and of course with our kids. And I find that um the times when I might most sort of like, you know, kind of spiral with parts is like when I when I realized that I reacted out of whatever it might have been, it might have been a six year old part or whatever it might be, you know, and just realizing that um, I have the ability to explore that and to be open about that with my kids and to re- reveal that experience that I'm having and to be able to talk about it. And that's not having a perfect answer or anything like that. It's just taking that space in between stimulus and response and being open about it. And exploring it, then being willing to, you know, apologize and being open, like none of that is perfection driven, right? And I guess the curiosity that I have here is like, I'm all for therapy. I want us all to have universal access. But in the meantime, it sounds like these are some of the things that we can do to be doing this work ourselves. Like it doesn't have to be behind a paywall or or any of any of those things. These are things that we can do daily. Definitely. And I, and I think that it, for the listeners, if they, I want them to notice the parts that are, that are coming up right now. Mm-hmm. I don't have time. Mm-hmm. I'm too busy. What else, is, what else would I have to sacrifice if I did that? Yeah. Just yeah. notice the list that you have going on in your head, because I know you do, the list you have going on in your head for the reason why you cannot make yourself a little bit more of a priority. And let's just write those things down because those are parts of you. And I would say, ask you from your true self, ask those parts, what are they afraid would happen if you took a little more time for yourself? Mm-hmm. And what would happen if you didn't get the dishes done? Or what, if, what would happen? First of all, you, you'll get the dishes done. But what would happen if you didn't? And just start asking, what would happen if that if I didn't do that? And let's just explore with some curiosity the parts of you that are that are scared or hesitant to make a little bit of changes, even if it's a little bit of journaling, or maybe you're reading a book on IFS, or maybe you're taking a, t- taking some time to meditate a little bit, or you're just noticing the parts of you, and the, and so all the parts of you that are saying no, 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 no. Let's explore those parts. Let's start there and find out what's what are their fears. And some of the fears are going to be you're going to start crying and never stop crying. Well, that's 
That's never happened to anybody. I get that as a fear, but also I want you to unblend in you and your authentic self. See if you can, if you can comfort, support, and affirm the parts of you that have those concerns and fears. Mm. Oh, I love that. I just uh, real, real quick. That part to me is coming up is so important that if I have a part and I'm feeling judgmental about that mm-hmm. part, I want that part to go away, I want that part to change, whatever it is, then I'm in another part. And I, I love yeah. that idea. And so, so if I can then, as you noted, the curiosity, the compassion, the calmness, if I'm feeling those toward this part, then I can have that relationship that that healing relationship that you were can you can you just for the listener who's more like me let me make that very very clear so you're saying that when you are in like capital s self that you are not in judgment you're it's 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 just uh automatically a compassionate sort of like open date so if you notice that you're in judgment around a part then that's a key signal to knowing that you're actually in you're, you're you're right now thinking through part. a part or instead of being in that and you and you're not realizing it. So it's like a flag for you. Is that definitely correct? Okay. definitely? And that's why I said when you journal, you can actually journal like your parts co- having conversation with each other because then there there probably is a lot of parts kind of bouncing back and forth. Like, oh, you you don't have time for that. Well, I really need to have time for that. But right. So there's that kind of that like dialogue that's going to be back and forth. And so there might be a bunch of back and forth between parts before self can kind of come in and say, I hear you, I get it. Let's talk about this. Like, and so I, I think that's such a good point because because when self is there, there's gonna be more space. There's gonna be some softening. There's gonna be a little bit of light, a lightness in your system versus with the parts just kind of going back and forth. I have a question then. Are there different types of like archetypes or or types of parts that are like really common for us all? Or are parts super diverse and as diverse as we are or uh, both? It's probably both, but I think that we all have like critics. I think that is often really like, I've never been surprised that a person has a part that I'm like, wow, I've never heard of that before. Do you know what I mean? Like, so I think, I think the, you know, we all have critics. I think there's always judgmental parts, which can kind of go with the critics. Um, and I, I think that probably someone way smarter than me could probably kind of lay out the different, kind of topics of of different parts but i think that they're are i think they the there? critics are probably and the ahead. managers right the, the the ones that want to keep us on track and want to make sure that we're good and all, all those yeah are they always there for protect are these like always there for protection and then we have you know other parts that play other roles you know around i mean there, yeah there's got to be parts that are like joyful and and other things too right Right. So we have two types of, we have two different types of, of parts. One are called the man. So we have manage, managing parts, but we have two, which is probably a little sort of a different thing, but we have two different types of parts. One is called managers and ones are called firefighters. And so the managing parts are the ones that manage our lives to make sure. Okay. So my food example. Mm-hmm. So totally. the, um, the part of me that was saying, okay, you're not going to eat again tomorrow. Okay. So tomorrow you're not going to eat. Here's how we're going to handle that. That's the manager. Okay. We're not going to eat tomorrow. Here's how we're going to handle from now on to make sure that you lose weight because you had two scones, blah, 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 blah. That's the manager. I'm going to manage your life so that you don't ever feel what we call the exiles. The exiles are those parts we kind of like push in the basement, mm-hmm. the ones that have the really big feelings, the ones that often have shame, the not feeling heard, that six-year-old, not feeling heard, not feeling seen, lots of shame, feeling unloved. Those are our exiles. Those are our younger parts. And so our managers and firefighters protect us from the big feelings of the exiles. Mm. So the managers manage our lives so that we never feel the exiles. And the firefighters come up when we do feel the exiles. So my firefighter was that second scone. That second scone when I was pissed, that pissedness, there was a lot of big feelings, which if I was, if I would have 
stayed with that, I probably would have linked to some exile there for sure. But that firefighter ate that scone because I was having big feelings and exile was triggered. And I ate that scone. There's my firefighter going to take care of that fire. going to put that fire out and I'm going to be fine. There's my manager. I'm fine. Everything's fine. And so my firefighter came in to make sure that I'm fine. All is well. And so does that make sense? So we've got the firefighters that come in after the exiles triggered. We have the managers that make sure the exiles are never triggered. Then those exiles who need us, our authentic selves, to go to them and be what they needed, hear their stories, and take them out of those places. That was that was fantastic. Yeah. I feel like I got a good lay of the land. I really like that. Like that's something for me to work with when I go out on my walk. I can start to see kind of like who's who in these companions I have. (laughs) <laughs> I love the companions. <laughs> oh, Tammy. So uh, I want to be sure that we get uh, your quick fire answers to the three questions that we ask every guest when they come on the show. So first, if you could put a big post-it note on every parent's fridge tomorrow morning, what would it say? I love this question. My, my thought was, you're doing a few things really, really well. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. You're doing at least a few things really, really. Well. Maybe one. Maybe yes. just yeah. one. Yes. 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 Awesome. And then is there a recent quote that you've come across that's changed the way you think or feel? Well, I, I read this quote in this book the other day that um, it's called This One Wild and Precious Life by Sarah Wilson, um, which is a fantastic book. And I read this this quote, and I've been sitting with it for a while. I think it's interesting. And she says, loneliness is best cured with aloneness, which is to say a meaningful connection to ourselves. Mm. And I thought that speaks to IFS perfectly, right? Like if I'm having some feeling, even if it's, if it's loneliness, the cure to that is to be alone and go inside and have self be and connect to all the parts, right? Self-connecting to our hurting parts is how we're how we are healed. Is self-connecting to those hurting parts. Self-connecting to hurting parts. Beautiful. So oh. hopeful. Yes. Yeah. Right. right. Yeah. And oh yeah. Empowering. Hopeful yeah. and empowering because yeah. the message is that your healing is going to come from within. I love yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. From you, right? From, from you, yeah. from from your authentic self, who is your like the divine inside of you, from it's your spiritual, like whoever that is inside of you, your soul, like that's where the healing comes from, is that which is already there. It's already there. You don't already have to there. make it, it's already there. Even as you're busy and you're making a hundred peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. It's still there. It's yep. still there. I love it. I love it. Tell me the final question we have. We asked this one because for a lot of parents, parenting can be uh, very hectic, very crazy, a lot of taxing moments. And so it's nice to just step back and reflect like, what is so wonderful about kids? And so what is your favorite thing about kids? The first word that came to my mind is play. Because I think we have lost how to play. And when I used to sit down with my son and play, I would organize his cars by color because I don't know how to play. Like how do you, so I watched him play. How is he playing with his cars? And I still would kind of clean up a little bit as I'm playing. But I think that's one of the things that I love <laughs> about kids is they invite our younger parts to come out and play. Oh, I love that. Beautiful. Tammy, real quick, is playfulness, would you categorize that as one of the qualities of capital S self? Totally. So playfulness, so that we also have the P's. So we have the C's and we have the P's. The playfulness, patience, persistence, um, those are some of the P's. So playfulness is definitely a quality of self. For yeah. sure. Awesome. Oh, I love hearing that. Thank you for adding that in. I'm now interested in the qualities of self. Save that for another time. Oh, yes. Oh, well, we would love to have you back on, Tammy. <laughs> that would oh, be my amazing. Gosh. We, I feel like we just scratched the surface. Oh, thank you so much for joining us. This is really a wonderful gift. And thank you for your amazing work. I feel like we're so aligned. I feel so grateful to have connected with you. And I look forward to connecting further. This was really fun. And I would be more than happy to come back on. Super fun. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much. 
Hey, if you like what we're doing here at Yes Collective Podcast, please subscribe on your favorite podcast player, share it with other parents in your life, and give us a review on Apple Podcasts. Yes Collective is a mental health movement for all parents, so let's spread the love.